The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Rebel Podcast. I would say as always, but it feels like every time I say that, we end up having to take a break because you get super busy or I get super busy or both of us get super busy. But we're here and you should just be appreciative of the fact that we're still trying to do this. <laughs> still working hard to bring some content once our, a month. <laughs> we're, we're doing our best. Right, right now we're a monthly podcast. It feels good yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, we're we're yeah. all right. And if, if, if you're... If you find yourself wanting more, then uh, that's a good thing. It's better than thinking that, uh, oh, man, those guys again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they got more to say? Jeepers. Oh. Well, what's that verse in Proverbs where it's like a wise man stays silent? Like, or if yeah. you stay silent, you'll be people think that's you're, what we're doing. People think you're smart, yeah. Yeah, they think we're, we got it all figured out because we're just not talking. Yeah, th- those um, rebels aren't releasing anything. They must have everything figured out. We, we definitely you know it's hard it's hard because i feel like um it, it's hard to talk about anything else like when when your podcast is about helping people engage culture with biblical worldview as ours is then it's hard to talk about anything other than covid right now because covid is like the thing on so many people's minds like as a pastor obviously we preach the word sometimes there's application in the word that's directly affecting what's going on in people's lives uh through all this covid stuff sometimes weeks go by and we don't talk about anything that's going on in covid but like when when your podcast is specifically targeted at what's going on in the world and helping christians think christianly about it it's hard to talk about anything else so you feel like you're talking about the same things all the time which doesn't help in terms of when you're super busy and just looking for times like well what do you want to talk about all people probably want to talk about COVID again, so here we are. Yeah, it's not like when we're when you're preaching, where you can preach like exeget- like ex- through the expositionally through the text yeah. and just go verse by verse, and if it comes up, it comes up. Like podcasts are very much topical, so like yeah, 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 exactly. And you could do yeah. other things, like we were talking about other topics, and then it's like you know we we had Doug Wilson lined up to talk about something, and I uh, had some feelers out for a couple other guests, and it's just like. But then if we just release some random random podcast that's not about anything related, it's kind of like, are you guys blind? Like, are you helping me with what's going on in my life? Like, I'm I'm losing work because I won't get my second jab. I, you know, my my kids can't go to sports because they haven't got their vaccines. Like, this really is like cultures divided, like conversations with friends is like, oh, what restaurants are not discriminating right now? Like it's really it's it's at the forefront of everybody's mind. So it's hard not to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and considering like um, you, you're pastoring a church and that church is 400% larger than it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, that's, not and, a, that's not a boast. You're just busy. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's just it's 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 trying to figure out the infrastructure. Um, you know, transition from you know a church of uh, 150 people to a church of over 500. So it's uh, anyway, it's been great. It's good. Uh, no complaints. Life is good. Um, but uh, but here we are again, and we do want to talk about COVID again. Um, so. <laughs> After all that, we're going to talk all about that. We are going to talk about it again, but, but we kind of what we wanted to talk about, cause we were just saying like, you can't really turn anywhere without this being at the forefront of people's minds. Well, one of the areas where we sometimes get distracted from real life is sports. You and I are both, both into big into sports, um, both playing, which we can't do right now. So, so now we have to resort to watching the vaccinated <laughs> and, um, and it's interesting because uh, even in that realm um, you know, this is all people are talking about. We were just watching a football game the other day and you were telling me, uh, that, um, Aaron Rodgers, who's your favorite, uh, uh, quarterback of all time or just current? No, just, uh, just currently, but Josh Allen's not my favorite because yeah. he's a bill, but that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, but Rogers, who we've, we both always liked. I, I, I like that he's scrappy. I like that. You know, he, I, I, I like Aaron Rodgers a lot. Um, but you were just telling me yesterday that he, he had faked his jab so that he could keep playing. And then when people are like, this isn't real, he's like, yeah, and I'm not getting it. So yeah. well, and, and his doctors advise him not to. So well, like, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a healthy guy. He's always been a strong, healthy athlete who could probably do multiple sports yeah well this is that's like this is the thing like um and then with with rogers coming out about it um we've gotten other people like antonio brown and a few a few other nfl players whose names escape me at the moment basically saying that they're not getting it either based on medical advice so it's like well that's interesting that like you know Big Farm would tell us like everybody needs to get the to get the shots because it's it's safe it's all this stuff. Then you get professional athletes who hire their own doctors in the U.S. Right, like yeah. they have their own medical teams. It's not yeah. like Aaron Rodgers is going to like, you know, some guy he just met in a walking clinic. He has a team of specialists because their health yeah. is the primary thing in their of their livelihood, yeah. right? And they're being told. Don't take it. Don't, okay, you don't so, need to. So this is really interesting. This is, oh man, we do this every time. We just said like, this is what we want to talk about today. And then we always end up getting sidetracked. So let's see how long we get sidetracked. But here, that's a very interesting point because, okay, obviously there's a, an immense amount of pressure in the States right now to get vaccinated as well, but it is nowhere near what it is in Canada and nowhere near where it is in a lot of other countries with socialized medicine. Okay. So the more socialized your healthcare is, it seems is directly related to how um, coercive the healthcare machine is, is forcing the vaccine because you said it exactly. So Aaron Rodgers has hired his own team of doctors, his own team of professionals. He pays them. And I imagine he pays them very, very well because he gets, he makes a lot of money. And so he probably pays them very well. And he's the one who is paying them for their medical opinions. Whereas in Canada, the government who is the evil behind all of this is the one paying the bill for the doctors who are making the recommendations. So it, it, there really is a sort of um, uh, a, a much more coercive um, element to any of the healthcare that is more socialized. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I agree with everything you said there, except for the. I would tweak one thing that, like, the one who's ultimately behind this would be the enemy. Yeah, um, good, I'm, yeah I'm, fair enough. Way I'm, to pass for me. Way to pass for me, Booty. Way to pass for me. <laughs> uh, no, no, literally, I just, I, I honestly, I think I'm to the point where I can't, I can't rationally look at the information that we have. And from both sides and not say that this is, this is a spiritual attack. This is, 
like not to over spiritualize it, but the enemy is working through through this because like it is so so crazy. I I, I shared an article on Facebook um, the other day about um, professional soccer players, um, and I'm a big soccer fan. Everybody who's listened to the podcast at all knows I. I'm sinfully into soccer. Um, and like, <laughs> I say that because we're in North America. And so everybody thinks I'm the crazy one, even though the rest of the world agrees with me, but that's beside the point. Um, the rest of the pagans. <laughs> the rest of the pagans. <laughs> anyway, um, about professional soccer players who are probably like, de- depending on how you view sports, other than like maybe tennis players, at least in shape wise, soccer players are universally probably the best shape. There's no fat soccer players. There's no, you know, I can't remember even that Bartolo Colon um, type um, soccer player who's just like out of shape, but pitches five innings a game or whatever um, you need. And so basically I shared the article and the article was the premise of the article is that there has been an increase of tons of soccer players who are having cardiac failure. So like falling down, it goes back to the summer in the, at the euros with Christian Erickson, just randomly falling down after 19 minutes of playing. And he's a top level player plays for Inter Milan. Who yeah, if you or know. I fell down after 19 minutes of running, that's understandable. Exactly. I, mean, I expect <laughs> to have a heart attack after a couple of flights of stairs, but I mean, like, uh, <laughs> like that's, that's like, I get winded after passing out communion. Um, so like, uh, <laughs> I just made Nate laugh. Oh, that's um, good. But like, they, they, these guys aren't Sergio Aguero. You can Google these names. These are real. These are real people. He is a top level forward for about a decade. He's been at the like, not not probably in the top five, but within that top twenty players in the world um, at his at his profession. He's thirty three, not old enough to like retire. Think like I'll name off some guys. You guys probably know the names: Messi, Ronaldo, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Those guys are all older than thirty three, still playing. Sergio Aguero's forced to being to retire because of undiagnosed, like basically a new heart problem that he never had. Adama Traore, another another soccer player who could literally bench press this podcast, like um, dude is jacked. Like to look not him up. not not like the equipment we use to record the podcast, but like you and me in a room recording the podcast, he would bench it. Yeah, and I'm like a 300 pounder, right? So like that's like already a lot. Add Nate, that's about a 500 pound lift right there. It's not it's not bad, uh, but he's built like a linebacker. He's not playing right now because of uh, like heart problems undiagnosed until this year. And like, those are, that's like four guys at the top, top level. If you go down, like even like divisions, like all the way down to like high school, you're getting people falling down, no record of any kind of heart things. But the only common denominator is that to play and to play soccer at a professional level right now, you have to have the vaccine. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not saying it's 99% of people who get the vaccine have a heart problem. I'm saying it's a side effect that is causing really, really, really um, bad side side effects effects. for to professional athletes. Imagine what it's going to do to somebody like me or somebody like, you know, the average size size person who isn't, you know, eating vegan, eating all these like fancy dyes, don't have a team of doctors. It's craziness. And, and, and just like, and so they're talking about a guy who's very knowledgeable, been following a sport for a long time, talking about the abnormalities. I would also just say, so as a, as a pastor, I, we just, we just finished, um, you know, two years of a pandemic, a global health emergency. And, um, I did less funerals in 2021 and 2020 than I did every other year of pastoral ministry. So in the middle of a global health pandemic, 
right? Emergency. I'm doing less funerals than I've ever done. Okay. Now that's just anecdotal. Hold on. Can I, can I, can I chime in there for a second? Yeah. So praise God for COVID. Like, well, I mean, yeah, like, I don't want to, like- I don't want to overstate my case, but like, so that's obviously anecdotal, but I would say this, we have a fairly large church and um, especially now, now we have a large church um, and um, a fairly large kind of footprint in terms of people who know people and nobody in our church died from COVID and of everybody connected to our church, only a handful of people had relatives who died from COVID, right? So I think all in all, we had two families who lost f- close family friends or f- close uh, family to COVID. Um, and other than that, it's sort of like, oh, I know a guy who knows a guy and all that kind of stuff, right? Of actual COVID deaths. And yet connected to our congregation have been several, not only deaths, not in our congregation, but directly connected. So family of, of congregation members or, or brothers or uh, in-laws or whatever have been heart attack, uh, two heart attacks, one stroke, in terms of deaths uh, related to the vaccine or suspected um, relation to the vaccine. We're talking about myocarditis or uh, what's the other one, perditis or whatever it is, um, that they've actually they've actually come out and said these things are linked. There's lots of other things that are just peculiar and they're saying they're not linked, even though uh, you know anybody who's thinking straight knows. Um, we also have a, a friend um, that uh, I just heard, like I, I shouldn't say friend because, um, but fr- a guy that you and I both knew uh, a lot more several years ago, kind of uh, he, he became a firefighter in a, in a city that was several uh, hours away. So he's a firefighter. His wife is a nurse, both in, in those lines. Uh, they're mandating vaccines. Well, they're pretty much man- mandating vaccines almost everywhere in Canada right now uh, for employment. But this guy's a firefighter. His wife is a, is a nurse. So, um, and no, you know, they, they decided, or he decided, I guess, for the family, like, look, I don't want you getting it. The risk is too great but I'll get it because we can't both lose our jobs, right? They live a particular lifestyle that they can't keep up with. And anyway, decide to get the vaccine, gets the first dose and develops myocarditis. So he develops his heart condition that the doctors say, this was a result of your first vaccination. So he applied to his work to not get the second job jab because the first one, doctor verified, developed myocarditis. He wow. gets the second shot and he goes completely numb on one side and he's hospitalized. They tell him that he has a pinched nerve and send him to a special chiropractor. And the chiropractor, when he gets there, says, I'm not touching you because you and I both know that you had a stroke. We both know what's going on here. I'm not touching you. This is, I, I don't get involved in this stuff. It's crazy what's going on right now. So he literally can't get up and down the stairs by himself right now. But they, they won't say that that second thing was jab-related, even though it happened um, literally within hours of receiving his second shot. And they mandated that he got that second shot. They wouldn't allow him to uh, an exemption, even though the first shot gave him uh, a, a heart condition that probably already rendered that he wouldn't be able to do his job for the, the rest of his life. So this is the sort of evil stuff that's going on around us. So just anecdotally, those are some stories. You've talked about some, some high-level athletes. And so you posted that article, and this is what precipitates our whole thing. You this posted is what got that, us all fired up to talk. Yeah, this <laughs> got us all fired up. So you posted that article on Facebook, and literally, like I've seen you fired up, Chris. You've you've posted some things on Facebook where I'm like, hey, Chris, like tone it down a little bit, bro. Like you're getting a little fired. 
But you literally just posted the article and that, that article could have been posted. Like there was an ESPN version of it where they, they were more, they didn't relate it to the vaccines, but they basically just said, I think they even asked the question, could this be vaccine related? We're not quite sure. We don't know what's happening, but it's unprecedented. Um, so ESPN had an article, CBC had an article. Um, there's a, a few other places. Yahoo Sports had an article. Yeah, you you happen to post You can one. Google the names I, I even said. Like, yeah, and I, I think and you happened to share one from Health Impact News or something like that. Um, and all you put was interesting with like the emoji of the thoughtful, the thoughtful face emoji. And this, the, you know, this, this guy is mutual acquaintance that we have who, I mean, honestly, I, I'm starting to wonder if he's been employed by big tech. He just goes around and, and, and just, I, I feel like he, he runs apologetics for fact checkers or something. I don't know what he does, but, but he's... He, he certainly seems to have an affinity for posting contrary articles on anything you share on Facebook. Um, but my question to him was like, how hard do you have to work to keep this narrative going in your head that vaccines are safe and effective? Like, how hard do you really have to work? Because he came out with the, you know, he said, oh, you know, there are, there are approximately 100 cardiac incidents on, sport, on competitive sports fields in America every single year, which I think was his, his response. And it's just like, dude, how hard do you have to work? Like, we're not talking about like, you know, a, a kid's sports game where it's exactly. like a, you know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about, you know, the over, over 40 softball league where the guy's chugging beer and running to first, he falls down and has has a, uh, an episode, which would be considered that's a competitive softball league that would be considered under, under what he responded with. We're talking about high level athletes who literally sports teams, like it's a big deal. Do you remember a couple of years ago? What was that? Um, uh, it was Oscar Tavares in uh, MLB or even uh, think of Jose Fernandez. Remember Jose Fernandez? Yeah, yeah. Like this amazing pitcher, probably going to be the next like generational pitcher. And he died. Did he get shot or something? I, I know it was a boating he, incident. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it was us. on a boat. Yeah, yeah. I think Sorry. he did get shot, though. I think he was shot on the boat. I don't know. Who I don't know. I'm not trying to drag his name through the mud or anything. I apologize to anybody who's listening to this and, and we're getting our facts wrong. We don't, we don't have notes, all right? We never have notes on this show. But, um, okay, so Jose Fernandez, pitcher for the Marlins. I think he died in a boating accident. Anyway, it was big news because, like, um, the Miami, uh, the Florida Marlins, Florida Marlins, Miami, Mar Florida Miami Marlins, Marlins. My, they, they invested in this guy. Like they put a lot of money into him. I remember, man, I had him on my fantasy baseball team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember these things, but he, he was like, he was going to be a phenom in the league. And all of a sudden this team that had invested all of their time and energy and money into this guy, they didn't have this, this star athlete and that shook kind of the baseball world going into that season. Do you remember that? And oh, yeah. like Oscar Tavares, I think was he, I don't remember the incident with him, but I, I remember he also, he was like rookie of the year and then he, and then he died and he was going to be some like amazing, but like, the, the league talked about that all year. Like every time St. Louis was on, they're like, oh, you wonder what this team would look like with Oscar Tavares batting second. Oh, you wonder what this rotation would look like with Jose Fernandez at the top of this rotation all year long. And so now you're talking about these, these high caliber soccer players and these clubs that are suddenly losing their, literally their star. Like this really is unprecedented. This isn't just like the hundred cardiac incidents that so happen to take place on American soil on some sort of a sporting surface over the course of a year. No, no, we're talking about mass scale 
prime athletes in the height of their careers with absolutely no, and, and it's with the same conditions, with the same inf- inflammation of the heart, myocarditis, heart attacks, strokes. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. The thing, the thing that I, that, um, like, again, you, you mentioned it, I'm a big soccer fan. So like I pay attention. And so like, yes, I will admit maybe once every two years, somebody you're not expecting at like, you know, the, like a summer game, like a summer tournament that they play or something will, will fall down with like a cardiac incident. And like, sometimes truthfully, they, they don't make it, you know what I mean? And it's like, but like the world stops in terms of the the sport at that time. You're just like, that is unbelievable. I can't believe this, this happened. And then as time goes on, they, they investigate and it's like, Oh, we had an arrhythmia in his heart. Like they, they get medicals. They didn't, they never saw it or like, you know, he had, having to have a stroke or something like during the, during the game, but it's a rarity, right? Like um, the difference with this is that like, I, I threw off three players off the top of my head who play at a top level who have had incidents within the last six months. And it's like, that came from nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, and like the difference is when they're like, like even look up Sergio Aguero, that's the name that I'll, I'll remind you guys to Google. They don't know what the problem is. Like they still are like, they can't say it because the narrative is that, like it's an it like he doesn't have a heart arrhythmia. He has symptoms that can only be tra- traced back to the common denominator, which is which is the vaccine. Um, and I don't know which vaccine they had or anything. I don't want to talk directly about that sort of thing. But like the common denominator between the increase in all these things is the vaccine, and that's just soccer. Like you can go through tennis, you can go through um, baseball, you can go through football. There's this is happening in in numerous places. College football in the NCAA has had many many incidences like this, not necessarily always the top level, top level guy, but it, there's tons of this stuff. Um, and also Jose Fernandez, it was a boating crash, boating crash. There you go. memory. Um, you go. He was only 24, by the way. Uh, but he, yeah, like the, the, the idea here is that like, I, I think, I think you were hitting on the right, um, the right point in terms of the idea is like, how hard are we having, or not we, but like how hard is the world having to work to perpetuate this narrative that this is all, safe and and secure by burying all these stories down the down the the barrel with like oh it can't be this it has to be all these other when the when the facts are just the facts we're not neither of us are saying that you know 99 percent of people who get the vaccine are going to get these symptoms i'm not i don't even think that i'm just saying maybe we should wait and do tests and actually see like they normally do like right um, well and this is and this is what i'll say like I think I think there's some very real evils associated with the coercion that's going on here for sure. But in terms of the actual vaccine, this is a wisdom call, right? This is just a wisdom call. This isn't a sin on one side, sin on, you know, not not sin on the other. Uh, like I said, I think the coercion and, and some of that stuff that's going on is wicked and is evil. And I would encourage Christians not to support that sort of thing. That said, actually getting the vaccine is just a wisdom call. But here's the thing. Athletes in their prime, athletes who are, you know, in great shape, they're young, even for me, for me, for my family, I have a young family, we don't have, you know, uh, uh, a whole lot of, you know, health issues in terms of comorbidities and all that kind of stuff. Like, I know the risk I'm taking with COVID. I've, I've had friends who've gotten COVID. I've had old friends who've gotten COVID. I know people who've gotten it quite badly. I know what I'm risking with COVID. I know, I know the statistics. I know how many kids are not dying from it. I know the survival rate of the virus. I know I've, I've seen people, I've walked with people, I've administered tests to people, I've, I've cared for people, brought soup to people. I am laying hands on the sick, you know? 
I, all of those things, I know what I'm risking with COVID. I don't know what I'm risking with the vaccine. Quite frankly, nobody does because long-term clinical trials not only haven't been done because that's what a long-term trial is, but also because all the people in the placebo group have now gotten the vaccine because it's been mandated everywhere. So, so I am not willing to take the risk. It's it's that whole better the devil, you know, than the devil, you don't, right? Like I, you know, when it just comes down to a wisdom call, I know the risk I'm taking with COVID. I don't know the risk I'm taking with the vaccine. So what we wanted to talk about was just this sort of this mass hysteria. And some of these people who are working so hard to keep this narrative together, what do we do with those people? This common acquaintance we're talking about is a guy who would claim to be a Christian. Um, I don't know where he's at, but um, he would certainly claim to be a Christian. So the question is, what do we do with those people who are working so hard to keep the narrative together, who, are, who quite frankly, are suppressing truth and who are pushing forward misinformation? Now, granted, the same would, they would probably say the same thing about us. Um, but uh, I think that um, a very good case can be said for one side of this is getting censored on a mass scale. The other side is not getting censored on a mass scale. If you believe in total depravity and you think that anything is off that's going on right now, then that alone should cause you pause. So here's what I'm going to suggest, Pudi. You tell me what you think. I'm suggesting to answer the question, what do we do with these people who are perpetuating and working so hard to keep this narrative alive? What do we do with them? Biblically speaking, I think a biblical case can be made for we should be mocking them. (laughs) I, I think that there is a category in scripture that not many people have thought through, and that is biblical mocking. So I'll give you a couple examples. Jesus, when he's talking about the, um, you know, uh, the hypocrites, he's talking about Pharisees, but he's talking about hypocrites. He calls them whitewashed hypocrites. And then he says, you know, you see, you, you know, you, you, you try to remove the plank in your brother's eye. And you, you know, you don't see, or you try to remove the speck in your brother's eye. You don't remove the plank in your own eye. The language he's actually using there is, is, um, is uh, construction language. So the, the equivalent today would be if he was just like, you want to remove the sawdust speck in your brother's eye and you haven't removed the two by four in your own eye, right? So like he's using exaggeration, he's mocking like that nobody has a two by four in their eye. The point there is he's mocking them saying like, you like you don't see the two by four coming out of your head there, idiot, right? There is a mocking aspect to it. You remember in Galatians, the apostle Paul talking about the Judaizers, he says, hey, if you're so eager for circumcision, guys, I wish that you would just chop the whole member off. Like, so, so like he, you know, there is a biblical category for mocking. So the story I want to go to, I'm going to go to first um, Kings 18. I'm going to read the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And then Chris, you can tell me if you think that this is appropriate. Okay. So, Love it. Um, first, first Kings 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab called Obadiah, who's over the household. So you get Elijah and Obadiah and they go, they, they're, um, uh, they get together, verse seven. As Obadiah was on the way, Elijah met him and Obadiah uh, recognized him and fell on his face. Is it you, my Lord, Elijah? And he answered, it is I. Go and tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So you go down, verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is 
is it you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to meet at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashereth who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you be Go, how long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Now, I want to pause there and just say, I think that there's a whole lot of people who are sort of on the fence right now. I think there's a ton of people. You and I know these people. They don't think what's going on is good. Lockdowns weren't good. They don't agree with the coercive measures of the vaccine. They don't really think they need the vaccine, but they're just sort of going along with it. Right? They, yep. don't, they, they feel like something's wrong, but they're not willing to fight. They're not willing to count the cost. They're not really willing to be social pariahs. And they're just kind of going along with it, hoping that if they keep their head down and keep moving in the direction, all this will blow over. It's only two weeks to flatten the curve. It's only two months of, of lockdowns. It's only one more lockdown. It's only Christmas. It's only two Christmases, you know, whatever. So, I, and I think here you're seeing all these people who are on the fence because Elijah puts it to them. Hey, if the Lord's God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. And they didn't answer him, it says. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood but put no fire to it. And I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first for you are many and call upon the name of your God and put fire to it. And they took the bull that was given and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from the morning until noon. So that's a long time. It's about five hours. Generally morning, they mean 7 a.m. Yeah. Um, oh, Baal, answer us, they said. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is musing, or he's relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Actually, I'll finish the story and then I'll come back to that. Then Elijah said to the people, come near me. And all the people came near him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as uh, would contain two seas of seed. 
and he put the wood in order, uh, in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran out of the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, oh, God, oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Lord, answer me that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones to dust. So, and then actually Elijah took all the 450 prophets. This is the part that doesn't get put on the felt board for uh, uh, Sunday school, and he killed them in the river. But, okay, so, <laughs> so here's the point, though. First of all, it's pretty sweet because, like, there's also the taunting going on. He's like, throw a jar of water on there do it again, do it again, right? Like, but it says right there, and he mocked them. Now, there's no narrative in scripture that says that this is, um, that Elijah took things too far, right? In fact, I would, I would say that because you see this in the life of Jesus and in the life of Paul, which are a few examples that we mentioned earlier, I think that this is, um, um, actually righteous action by him. So when is it reasonable? If you're to read that story, Chris, and some young teenager in our church who's wrestling with the scriptures came up to you and said, Chris, I was reading in 1 Kings 18 this week, and I heard Elijah basically tell the prophets of Baal that their God was taking a dump and couldn't hear them. Um, When is it appropriate for me to mock people, Elder Chris? What would you say? Well, one, one I would say is like, uh, there's, there's a nice distinction that's happening in there, though. He's, he's not actually mocking the people. Like, right. um, if you actually look at, he's not actually, he doesn't make any personal jibes towards the, the, the prophets of Baal. Now, I'll get into the fact that he actually does kill them. So, like, <laughs> something does happen there. That, that's uh, not ignoring that part um, of the story. Like, uh, so I'll come back to that, stick a pin in that. But, like, what, what he's actually mocking is is Baal. And so what is Baal right. at the, like at this point is like in the old Testament people for, you have to remember um, the, the demons were the ones that were worshiped by the other nations. So right. like the, the Canaanites and the, and the Hebanites and the, all the ites, they worshiped yeah. Aseroth, Baal, like, um, yeah. and all the different demons. So like when, when Elijah is then mocking Baal, he's, he's mocking the principality of the, of the nation. He's mocking the narrative of their government. Right. So, if you were to ask me like today, how does this apply to 2021? I would say it's it's just, it's holy and it's good for a Christian to mock the narrative that is that is being produced that's a lie. Right. Um, we're to be defenders of truth. We're always to be ready to give a defense for the truth, which also means we have to be truth seekers and truth speakers, which means when a lie gets starts to get perpetuated, that is the grand narrative. Like, oh, this is how you'll save people. This is how we're going to bring salvation from COVID to the people that are out here. It's our job to, to mock that narrative because there we know there is no one who can save you from COVID except for god because god is the one who brings and the god is the one who gives you life and takes life away there's not nothing that is going to happen is going to be outside of his plan which means he's the only savior for what's what's happening so anybody who brings a narrative that is contrary to this should be mocked um and so like therefore then i would say well when is it right like when do i let it go and then when do i mock it specifically and i would say your friend who's deceived your friend who is like 
doesn't know what truth is, your your posture to him should be to take him aside like Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos right. and teach him. Yeah. Um, but there are those people, and we all know – you mentioned a, a gentleman on my Facebook. We know multiple people like this, particularly on our Facebook pages. But like <laughs> – um, but like we, we even see them in the media. I won't name names, but there's um, – You can name uh, names. TGC, so basically <laughs> the Gospel Coalition in Canada, who right. are per- – who are helping perpetuate this this narrative of like we should listen to the government, we should submit, you should do this, you should get vaccinated. Yeah. The churches who are then now going to be like, well, we're going to make you check in with the vax pass. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna restrict all of our activities other than Sunday morning. We're only gonna but minister like, to the vaccinated. We're exactly. only gonna we're only gonna minister to the clean, to the <laughs> exactly. Jew, not the Gentile. Yeah. So you take it so, to like <laughs> a, such a cutting point. It's so good. But I would say I would say that's like when we now like those are the people now we we would we would go and actually mock. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And so I that. do want to, uh, like, do, you know, um, let it be heard that Chris and I hear our criticism and let it be heard that we understand that we are imperfect sinners. Um, we know, okay, I get it. It's easy to put a microphone in front of us and, and say hard things and, uh, and, and, and be like this. Our heart is for people. I, 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 I I don't think that there's anybody who, even people who have left our church, who have disagreed with the stance that we've taken, I don't think any of those people, if they were honest with themselves, they look back at my pastoral ministry over them, could say that I, I am an uncaring shepherd. I, the reason we would say this is because people are trapped by lies, okay? That's the point. We, as you said it very well, we are to be truth seekers and truth speakers. I don't know if you just pulled that out, but that sounds like half a Baptist sermon. So good job there, Chris. Um, but, <laughs> but we, uh, um, there are lies that are enslaving people that are causing them to be disobedient to the commands of Scripture. Okay, they they are now being disobedient to the command to gather the command to practice hospitality, the command to lay hands on the sick, the command to be near the brokenhearted, right? The command to go to the orphan and the widow. There are all these commands of scripture, all of the one another's of scripture, right? That, that people, that many, many Christians have been disobeying those commands for 18 months now. I think I've been saying 18 months for a few months now, so it must be more like 20 or 22 months now. But- um, Yeah, we're the, like 20 months. Yeah, so, you know- we are not saying this because we are trying to be hard asses. We are not saying this because we are, you know, enjoy being the contrarian or, or whatever. We're saying this because people are caught in lies. And just like the people of God who were caught in the lies of Baal worship and listening to the prophets of Baal, you know, Elijah, it, it, interestingly, it says, like, after he mocks the prophets of Baal, he says he brings the people close to him. He had a heart for the people, right? He wanted them to be disentangled from the lies. He wanted them to be to see the truth. And, and part of what helped them see the truth, if it was just a, a sort of worship war, right? If it was just like, hey, they do their thing, I do my thing, fire comes down and gets mine. Hey, I won the battle. But Elijah made sure that there was no way of middle ground here. And I think that's the point. So the mocking comes when there's no way of a middle ground, right? There are times in scripture, there are times where there are differences in church families. There are times where there are differences among, you know, brothers and sisters that um, a, a middle ground is not a sinful option, right? 
opinion. Like we, we use these, I know they're silly analogies, but like the color of the carpet in the sanctuary, if it's blue or it's red, who cares, right? Like there, there, and there's a compromise, let's go with green or whatever, right? But like, this is not a middle ground option, right? You cannot worship God and Baal. And similarly, you cannot perpetuate the narrative that COVID is going to kill us all and be faithful to the scriptures and the commands of God at the same time. I just, I don't think that's an option anymore. Early on when it was sort of like, hey, we'll do what we can. And if I can put a mask on and that makes somebody feel comfortable, we're way past this, guys. We're way past this. Anybody who wants to know the truth can actually find the truth. Masks don't work. Look it up. There are plenty and plenty of articles, studies, all these kinds of things. Vaccines are killing people. They are altering lives. People are losing their work. This is evil. This is wicked. It's not, there's not a middle ground option anymore. So when there's not a middle ground option, what did Paul say? When it was either you must be circumcised to be saved or salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, what did he say? Hey, you who want to get circumcised, just chop it off and leave me alone. <laughs> I'm dealing with these people here. And that's what Elijah's doing. He's saying, look at how ridiculous their God is. They're sitting there cutting themselves, and he's peeing somewhere because they can't hear them. Like, he's just mocking them. And I think that I think it's come to that point. Quite honestly, I think that there's a few things in our culture that have come to that point. I think uh, evolution's another one. I think there's so many holes in evolution that I think Christians ought to just stop taking it seriously. Just start mocking it. Don't mock the people who are caught in the lie. And this is the differentiation. If you want to rule for engagement, here's the, here's the rule. Don't mock the people who are caught by the lie. Mock the people who are perpetuating the lie. That's the distinction. That's what, yeah. that's what Elijah is doing. Yeah, you can – exactly. You can mock the lie all you want. Like there's like, like – because fundamentally truth is truth. You can't mock truth. God will, God will judge the people who mock truth. But everything that's not truth is – it's make believe. So all we're doing, if we're mocking something that's not truth is we're making fun of something that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, so at that point we haven't done anything other than just pull apart a a mythic, a mythical tale. It's like me making fun of Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to get up in there. Nobody's posting on my Facebook other than like a fun way to be like, you made fun of Lord of the Rings because it's fantasy. It's made, it's make believe right. just like things that are being perpetuated as truth that are lies. Yeah. They're make believe there. It's yeah. a, it's a fantasy. And I want, and I want anybody who's listening. Cause we still have people who disagree with us. Shockingly, who still would be listening to this podcast at this point, mostly yeah. just say what crazy stuff has Nate said. Let me, let me <laughs> like find another stick to beat him with. Um, or, but like or, the truth. Or, or another thread. Uh, anyway, never mind. Both, but um, no, <laughs> the, the truth, the truth is like, we have tons of people at our church. Well, I don't know about tons. There's, there are people at our church, double vaxxed. Totally. And yeah. No, nobody cares. Nobody yeah, talks about it. Probably 50, like, 50 split. Quite frankly. I mean, it's, yeah, I have, I have no idea. We like, don't ask who cares. Exactly. Cause we, exactly. That's my point, Nate. We don't ask, we don't care. We're the ones that are living as we have always lived. That's you know right. what I mean? Nothing, nothing has changed for us, which yeah. means you know, you come in, nobody's be like, where's your, where's your paper? Show me your document. Show me your tattoo on your arm that says you're yeah. one where's of us. Your mask? Or not where's like, your, yeah. We're, we're living in that way, which also means like, we've always like, praised God for everybody who walks through the doors of our church. Always. Exactly. Nothing's changed. Ex- nothing. Exactly. Nothing's changed, which also means like, we don't like, we, we leave it to the conscience. So somebody who has done their, has done the work and said, you know what, for me, like, 
Um, the, the gentleman you 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 reach you uh, reference early. He made the choice to get the vax. Now it didn't work out for him, but like he made the choice. So we're not gonna we're yeah that came out kind of harsh. I just mean in terms of like um, he he we well, would we would never responsibility mock his right. Like trying, if we want the if we want the responsibility of freedom, then freedom comes with consequences. So you want the freedom to make a choice. You you bear the responsibility of that choice. And we've always said that. And that doesn't that doesn't I'm mean our heart doesn't go out for people who who go through difficulty because of choices. But absolutely, yeah, exactly. And it works the other way. We had like um, like well, I had COVID. I don't know if people know like as like the, like the yeah, people. There's who, a time. There's a time. I'm like, oh man, Pootie. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna make overweight. it. He might I not need make a new it. rebel. Uh, <laughs> There was a job application. Jacob <laughs> yeah, tried yeah, it again. I had a job posting ready. <laughs> then he pulled through. Then he's like, "Ah, oh, he lived. Crap." Yeah. Um, anyway, um, but said we're just like one of those things where it's like, well, like you weren't like like people. You didn't come to me as my pastor and be like, "Hey, man, you should have got the vax. You're an idiot." You know what I mean? Like right. it was just like, "Hey, the situation here sucks. Let's let's get through it." Similarly, we do that with the people who have had problems with the vax. Be like, I'm, I'm sorry that this has happened. Let me help, let me help you through it because the mandate to pray and lay hands and to, you know, be generous yeah. to the sick and all that stuff is, um, yeah. is regardless of these contra of these conscience things. Yeah. Um, the only ones who are like putting other people's beliefs into like pens of say, Oh, you need this are the people who are, who are pushing the vaccine, right? It's the narrative, yeah. which is what we're mocking. We're not mocking the like people. We're mocking the idea of like, these are universally safe 100 percent of the time like you know you should just be following all these restrictions and it's like well no that's that's ridiculous um so i, I, yeah. got, I so, got lost in thought no 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 i i think you're i think that's that's all correct and i think that the um you know it, it, i'll uh maybe maybe bring the listeners into a, a little uh sneak peek at uh the the relationship behind the scene between peanut and pooty but like when when Chris had had COVID, I texted him and said like, "If you die, can I have all your Star Wars guys?" Which I I don't even know what that's from, but I, I think that's from something. And it's, it's very common like internet thing to be like, if you in like games and stuff, if you die, can I have your stuff? Right. So like, yeah. So I'm like, if you die, can I have all your Star Wars guys? And um, I I don't think Chris has any Star Wars guys for those of you who don't no. know that, but um, that was my way of checking in on him and um and my his wife who was concerned for him that particular night was perhaps not too thrilled but my point in saying that is like nothing has changed for us right and and that doesn't mean like we shouldn't be sensitive to people i'm not saying that that's just that's just an inner working of how chris and i relate right like if you know we, yeah, we exactly. poke fun at each other we make fun of each other if i didn't do that then he would have thought that something was weird nate why you treat me so weird you're well, being exactly, too nice like but but I, I just say that to say, like, there is there is something about whenever life is radically altered or something totally changes course, the onus is on the people who want to change everything to kind of prove why it should be that way, right? So, like, we've lived a fairly normal life for the last two years. And so for all of those people who want to place all of these restrictions on worship and holidays and family gatherings and hospitality and who want to scratch out certain pa passages of scripture, like, the onus is on them to prove that th this, and this is, this is one of the reasons we took the stance we did because our charter of rights and freedoms defends all of our, our stuff. And so when a bylaw comes in that contradicts the charter of rights and freedoms, the onus is on them to prove that they had a right. And there was a reasonable um, procedure in terms of taking away our fundamental freedoms. So similarly, 
Christians, there is no, you can read James 5 all you want. There is no caveat. There's no caveat for laying hands on the sick. It doesn't say unless it's a communicable disease, unless it's a virus, unless the government's really, really worried about this one. And so Christian, if you have not laid hands on the sick, and right now, like, you know what? We've never said COVID's not a thing, right? We had, we've had plenty of people, Chris had it. So my question is, if we've all known people who have had COVID, Christians who maybe take a different stance for us, have you laid your hands on any of them? Have, have you? Because scripture commands that you are to lay hands on the sick. So, so where are you getting that caveat from scripture, right? Have you, have you had families in your home around your dinner table in the last year? I know a lot of people who have not. I'm not talking about family and asking them, you know, what's your, you know, how big is your bubble? And, you know, you're my bubble buddy and all that kind of stupid stuff. I'm talking about like actually just like strangers, right? We're to bring in the stranger, the sojourner, the traveler, the immigrant, the, all that stuff. Those are all in God's word. Have you had them over? Have you had them into your home? Have they broken bread with you? If you have not, if there was a, a season when you were unwilling to break bread with your Christian brothers and sisters, the onus is on you to tell me why you think that this constitutes disobedience to scripture. If you have been at home and you've not returned to regular in-person worship, why? The onus is on you to show us that this time period is so unique that it adds all kinds of caveats to scripture that aren't in the text. So all that to say, I think that we are beyond the point where um, uh, it's sort of bearing with and allowing conscience and freedom of conscience in these areas. I think at this point, the narrative has been revealed. You got to work really hard to maintain it in your head. It's time for Christians to just start mocking it. Amen. I love it. I love it. Let's, so let's go be Elijah <laughs> and find some, uh, some false prophets, mock yeah. their ideologies. Don't mock the people caught in lies, but mock the people who are perpetuating those lies and the ideologies hopefully will fall apart. And this is what spiritual yeah. warfare is, by the way, right? Second Corinthians 10 says that Absolutely. we take every thought captive. It doesn't say it's just your thoughts, FYI. Take every thought captive and make them obedient to Christ. Weapons of warfare are not carnal. They're powerful to destroy strongholds and every lofty argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. Amen. So that's what we do. And when the lies are so outrageous that they are taking good Christians captive, then we ought to resort to the Elijah uh, option and just mock them. Yeah, but don't mock the people because you don't want the Elisha option where the bears kill you. So like, <laughs> <laughs> well said, well, great, great way to wrap it up. Just give him a little uh, food for thought there at the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would leave, I would leave some, everybody with just one challenge. Cause I, this is like something I've been Oh, this about. is great. I feel like um, I always get the last word, Chris, you take the uh, last word. Well, your last words are usually better. Nope. The nope. Um, I'm not saying anymore. There's a, there, <laughs> I'm done talking. Um, no, there's, there's a, there, like, I think, I think everybody who's a Christian and who's struggling in this is Think about how you can reconcile all the commands you gave, laying of, the, laying of the sick, hospitality, all the things, evangelism, all the things that we know we're commanded to do versus Romans 13. So like if you put those mm. those things, because like most of the people who are like, let's obey everything are are elevating Romans 13 above every other text. So th at that point, like if, if you're doing that, those two things are in direct conf conflict because you can't, 
in this moment of time, you can't obey the government and obey the commands of scripture. So at that point, if those two things are in, in, incompatible to you at, the, at this point in time, if you can't reconcile those properly, then you have, a, you have to answer the question, at what point do you think the Bible has contradictions in it? Because those two things are incompatible in your brain right now. And so yeah. um, if, you're in the, if you're in the situation where you're, you haven't had people in your home, you haven't been doing all these things, you need to, you need to answer, be able to answer that question. Your last word was better, but I just wanted to point that out because I was like, I've been thinking about that a lot since we heard Tim Stevens talk about um, Romans 13, and just the idea of like people have elevated that above yeah. you know, every other text right now, and I think that's wrong. So. He called it the most quoted and least understood Bible verse, and I think that's, that's very, very true. And actually, you can find his talk on Romans 13 at uh, EzraInstitute.ca. Uh, that was at their um, Mission of God conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no, the Niagara Declaration conference. So it should be posted there, Tim Stevens' uh, uh, conference speak. If you know, if I think about it, I'll throw it in the show notes, but I'll probably forget. So go look you'll, for it you'll there. Like, you'll look for it. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Anything else? Anything, uh... No, I, I said I wasn't going to say anything else. So, you know, great last word, Chris. <laughs> Full of wisdom as usual. Appreciate you, it. brother. <laughs> all right, everyone. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Have a great one. Probably responding to all the hate mail we get for this one. We Peace. should definitely do that. At, at that <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Bye.